versus Columbus, game one. I'm going to give you my reaction. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast, playoffs edition, episode two. So this is being filmed on Monday, the day after the Leafs played the Columbus Blue Jackets in game one of the play-in series. And I got to say, just to sum it up, that one game, it was boring. There weren't many chances either way. There wasn't too much excitement there wasn't that physicality really there we didn't get any fights it it was a very very to to describe how it was that game was like the the ending piece of bread in a uh in a low in like a wonder bread you know that ending piece that nobody ever wants to eat it's just dry it's like it's all crust it's all garbage crust that was that that was this entire game it was just not a very good product out there however because we're all obsessed we've gone without hockey i believe the official count was for 145 days i'm gonna do a deep dive into into this game into game one and let you know my thoughts on who played well who did not play well um how do we beat the jackets and a little bit of what was going on on twitter what i saw this morning i didn't see last night but i saw it this morning um and i'm gonna give my explanation and my thoughts to it so let's get into it um i thought that the leafs and jackets were very evenly matched in this game um they traded chances that were about equally equivalent in terms of danger uh the Leafs did have i mean the ones that stuck out to me austin matthews had two great chances one of them he created the turnover at the blue line rang it off the crossbar unfortunately uh he also had one right before that too where it was a a decent glove save by corpus Salo. but then there was also the matthews um in front of the net corpus Salo made that fantastic glove save on him and then nick robertson the young the young guy i I don't even know if he's 19 yet you saw that play where Kappen and made the great play to to create the turnover and then he had it behind the net and he fed Reb Robertson out in front and I mean Corpus Salo if you watch that he didn't react to that quick enough he got very lucky that his pad was already there so Nick Robertson with a pretty good chance uh there those are the three best chances I saw from the least Frederick Anderson made some fantastic saves but uh we lost so what happened with that Cam Atkinson comes down the right hand side takes a slap shot and that, that's it's not a good goal. It's not a good goal at all. I think it was a pretty soft one. Uh, I don't blame this game on Anderson as well, but I don't think that goal was very good. It was put in a tough spot. Um, if you're a goal, you know, like that spot is a little bit difficult to kind of reach. However, that is a shot that's coming from the outside. It's not in a high danger area and it shouldn't be going in. It, it was a total killer. It was a bummer. However, I we digress. If that's the right way to use that word, it's probably not. But anywho, you need to score goals to win the game. And the Leafs did just that. They did not score goals. So we did not win. Um, so my reactions, it was, I, I think there was there was no jump. The Leafs are flat. As I said, they were that end piece of toast bread um, in this game. So who is responsible for this? So 
The Matthews line, I felt they fell into the fun category. They generated their chances and they generated the Leafs' best chances. However, if you were watching closely, they did that line did give up some great chances against that Frederick Anderson had to make some fantastic saves. The three big chances that stuck out to me, there was a Seth Jones one-timer. Seth Jones can shoot the puck. It was a pretty good one-timer there. There was also the breakaway. Um, unfortunate on the roll, it just stopped perfectly for them. It looked like they hit a 9-iron from about... Uh, from pretty close in and they just stuck it uh, on there but anyways Anderson made the great save I think it was on PLD and then there was one other fantastic chance in front of the net where Frederick Anderson had to do the the full splits to cover the whole bottom part of the net and make the save there that was a fantastic save so three very good chances as I mentioned but also three high danger chances against I, I felt that they were better than the Tavares line and I'm going to get into it who played well why who played well and who didn't so i'm gonna go i I like the matthews line tonight i know they gave up those chances as i said i like them the best they were the only ones that felt like they had some jump to them although it was not very much outside of matthews um but matthews carried that line i think they were the best ones out there because the tavares marner line um they gave up that one chance against where Wierenski hit the post but you didn't see much going for for them they were just completely shut out they they were held out of the dirty areas there they didn't like there was that one maybe kind of decent play where marner uh took the rebound and he tried to put it on his backhand but missed but like even then it wasn't even that good corpus Allo was right there they were they were just they were, they were ghosts out there they we really needed a lot more from that line uh the third line they had that one chance from robertson there was one play where captain was pretty much on a breakaway but stopped up that was really strange the, they were very okay i felt like we could have got a little bit we we really did need a little bit more out of them tonight but again they didn't hurt them and then the fourth line (laughs) they gave up a decent shot against and they played all on definitely all of them under five minutes i think maybe one guy hit four minutes that was gotier but holy moly spezza and clifford did not play today they literally they, they, I think both of them might have gotten under three minutes or something like that. That was kind of weird. I, I, I would have liked to have seen them a little bit more, but sometimes it doesn't work out with the line matching or or Torts was just not not happy with them. I mean, Torts, Torts. Keith was just not happy with them and he kept them on the bench. I thought we could have got a little bit of jump out of Kyle Clifford out there, but it, it, the fourth line did look a little bit slow. So it's that trade-off. Do you want to... I would... I've liked for Kyle Clifford to go out there, throw a big hit, throw some energy into the lineup. But then again, I don't want him out there if he's going to cost the team. He looked a little bit slow. Spezza looked a little bit slow. Gauthier looked like Frederick Gauthier out there. So if I were to rank them, I'd go Matthews line first, definitely. I thought the Kerfoot-Kapanen line would be second. Tavares line third. And then the fourth line, well, not enough information to rank them in that. Um, Let's go through the defense. So I hate to keep ragging on him. I really hate to, but Cody Cece, man, what was that? Cody Cece was terrible tonight. He took two penalties, which 
kind of kills you. And then on top of that, this guy just could not move the puck. As I've mentioned before, he doesn't skate. He doesn't hit. He doesn't pass. He can't shoot the puck. What is he doing out there? I know he didn't get that much playing time, but there was one specific play. There was a couple plays where he had it behind the net. He didn't have much pressure on him. He had a chance to either take a stride, move the puck up ice, and he did not. I don't think he, he might have completed one pass, and that was a two-foot pass in his own zone to Morgan Riley. But again, Cody Cece cannot be paired with Morgan Riley anymore. It, it just cannot happen anymore. It's it's dragging Morgan Riley down. I don't think Mar- Riley had the best game, but I feel like he could have done a lot more if he had a somewhat capable defense partner with him. And he, guess what? There are two more guys. I liked how Barry and Dermot played, although they didn't get the tough matchup, so to speak. I thought they were the best defense defensemen out there for sure. And I think you got unfortunately have to split them up because Morgan Riley needs one of them. And Morgan Riley needs one of them to play bigger minutes with. So, Hole and Muzzin, on the other hand, I really... They, they had a tough night. They had a tough night, to say the least. They're both not that quick. They both weren't completing their passes. And they had some tough times getting out of their zone. And overall, the defense... The forwards are flat. The defense just could not string together enough passes. The guys that played big minutes tonight could not move the puck up, and it really hampered the Leafs' the Leafs' offense. I felt. I think like they really need to be better on the passes. They really need to be better on getting moving the puck up ice, whether that be through skating it or passing the puck up, because we didn't see any of that. We didn't see enough of that tonight. And the one defenseman line that we did see a decent amount from that was the Dermot-Barry pairing. I mean, say what you want about Barry. I mean, he turns the puck over, shoots it into the goalie's chest, whatever. I mean, it was was a lot better than what we saw from Justin Hole. Justin Hole was not very good tonight. Neither was Muzzin. And the the flatness that came from the defense really did... Uh, carry over into the forwards and we, we saw a big lack of chances and a, a lack of movement through the neutral zone and f- starting from our own end so the defenseman obviously I'm going Dermot Barry number one and then we'll t- I, don't, I don't even know how to rank the, num- the, the rest of them because who cares they weren't very good they weren't good enough and we lost so my specific players that I like tonight, obviously I'm going Austin Matthews. I know his expected goals wasn't that great, but we'll, I'll get into that more. But number one, Austin Matthews. Number two, Frederick Anderson. Let in that softly, but made some great saves tonight. That game's not close without him. So number two, Frederick Anderson. Um, number three, we're kind of stretching it after that. I felt outside of those two, it was it was not that great. I thought Tyson Berry was okay tonight. I thought Travis Dermott was also pretty good tonight. Uh, Nick Robertson had his moments here and there uh, on that line, but they were quiet. And then who didn't play well? So who didn't play well for me? You may not have noticed it, and they haven't been catching a heck of a lot of flack online, but Hyman and Mikhaev really weren't what they should have been in this game. And here's what happened. They were out-muscled along the boards. They weren't winning those puck battles. They weren't those honey badgers that they usually are. And, I mean, you they're, they're kind of unsung heroes because like, you, it, it was tough to notice those those little digs and such that they, uh, they, they do oh so well. But we didn't see it tonight. And I think as a result, it kind of popped, uh, 
put a hole or it, it really pause I don't, I'm, I'm trying to blank on the word here holy moly what an episode but it kind of lagged lagged there we go that's the word it lagged the leases uh, momentum and production and ability to create uh chances off of the cycle i mean corpus allo's rebound control tonight wasn't great a lot of pucks were hitting his glove and falling in front of him a lot of pucks were hitting his chest and falling in front of him the jackets did a good job of sheltering him from that and be giving him a lot of time to cover up those rebounds but his rebound control wasn't great and when his rebound control isn't great who's supposed to be taking advantage of that our honey badgers our hymen our makayevs and i did not see that from them tonight unfortunately so it was a big opportunity missed by the Leafs on that so hymen and makayev really didn't give them that jump that they needed and tonight of all nights they really really needed that jump um and then obviously the big targets uh marner tavares didn't generate enough at all they need a big bounce back game muzzin hole uh cc riley didn't do enough i felt as well and i mean when you put all those pieces together it just makes one flat hockey team um and one hot flat hockey game because as we said and as josh pointed out in episode one if the leafs lose this series you're going to absolutely hate the hockey that is being played and guess what everyone should have hated game one i mean it was finally some live meaningful hockey which made it entertainment entertaining but going back and watch try going back and watching that game if you actually if you're having a nice monday holiday nap or tuesday evening whatever nap if you want to if you want to have a nap, throw on that hockey game. The most ideal hockey game to nap watching. Um, I think that just about covers everything there. So how do the Leafs beat the Jackets next game? I think you need to involve Tyson Berry and you need to involve Travis Dermott into the offense more. I saw suggested pairings where they put Muzzin on the right side. Guess what? That's just not happening. When was the last time Jake Muzzin played on the right side? He hasn't played with on the right side with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, get that out of your head. It's either going to have to be Barry up there or it's going to have to be Dermot up there because both of those guys have played the right side. I mean, Barry is a right-handed defenseman, so obviously plays the right side. But Dermot has played the right side in the past. And my thought is, my thinking is, we're going to need him on that. We, we probably are going to need him on that right side because you can't be playing CC and, Muzz- and Hole looks more like a third pairing defenseman he can't be paired up against the top lines on the other on the other teams it's just very evident so the second part being obviously makayev and hyman need to get going and they need to provide they need to jump start that energy in the leafs's lineup um, but yeah so we can't come out flat and we need the defenseman to pass the puck and move the puck a lot better and we'll have a much better time with this columbus blue jackets team on tuesday i believe at 4 p.m um frederick anderson obviously is going to i think he's gonna be steady i think we we've got some steady freddy so not too too much concern there um so moving forward uh there was something on leaf's twitter that happened uh so it was jay fresh if you don't follow him he's an analytics guy put out the expected goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs and it had Tavares one and Tavares and Marner were at like 70% each 
Um, Robertson was at 48%, and then Matthews was at 31%, as if to say he didn't have a good game. So here's my thoughts on this. Number one, doing expected goals for per game, it kind of is a little bit flawed simply because simply because like the numbers don't I mean it, it can convey something that just wasn't really that true over a large sample size I believe that expected goals is very valuable however game to game when you're looking at it individually it can be a little bit misleading and I think that's what we saw in this one because the big dogs didn't generate enough high quality chances there Marner and Tavares you cannot say we're good tonight they didn't give up a ton of chances the other way that is true but you're playing the Columbus Blue Jackets they're not gonna a that team doesn't generate a lot of chances against so like if you play to that that 70% expected goals for but you're not generating enough high quality chances you're playing right into Columbus's hands and you're gonna lose it's that plain and simple i don't care at the end of the series we could see 70 percent, 75 percent goals for for marner and tavares but guess what if they end up with goose eggs in the points column we're gonna lose and then nick robertson i thought he was okay it wasn't anything like the montreal game i thought he was a shift to shift was more effective in the montreal game but i thought he was decent this game i'm I'm not taking him out of the lineup at all i don't think pierre engvall would have been able to emulate what uh what Robertson didn't in this game however maybe you look at Pierre Engvall for the fourth line there provide that jump more speed because the as I said the fourth line looked slow and Pierre Engvall he's, he's a speedster and he's got that size so hopefully maybe we see him in game two I wouldn't guarantee it though um so continuing with that you're uh, going off of that uh then the Matthews 31 percent as I mentioned when evaluating Matthews's game there were some big offensive chances going the other way from Pierre-Luc Dubois and that that Columbus line. They did generate some chances when Matthews was on Matthews was on the ice. To say he played godly in this game is is incorrect. I mean that line did give up some good chances, and that's going to reflect in the numbers there. So, 31%. I don't agree with 50. I thought I saw even amount of chances going the other way than I did going for. However, to say when I say Matthews played well, I don't think he played well enough in this game either. I think we could have got a little bit more, especially out of his linemates too. Nylander and Hyman were way too quiet. So in short, this was a very flat game, a very boring game, and the Leafs need to flip that right upside down if they're going to have any sort of chance of being beating Columbus in this series. That's all the notes that I have from the Leafs. We've had a crazy playoff so far. We've been blessed with some pretty good hockey, I must say. And um, guess what? Tomorrow, we get to do it all again. <laughs> so, that's all the notes that I have from tonight's game against the Leafs around the league. I mean, I don't want to get too, too much into it. It'll just be general mumbo-jumbo, which you don't need to hear. So... That's all. I'll see you guys after, hopefully after game two, uh, after a big Leafs win. Take care, everyone.